Drake Passage won't be for you, Auntie. You just have to look at a boat and you feel sick. I don't like boats. <laughs> don't like boats. What Billy Connolly said, like prison with the option of suicide. Oh, Jesus. I don't like them at all. It's episode 516 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. Sarah's back. It's newbie question time. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back to episode 516. We're not in our regular Friday slot. There's been a bit of musical chairs with the podcast this week, and we've moved this one to the Saturday spot. But fret not, Sarah Anne is still in the hot seat. Hello. Yeah, I did my solo cast yesterday and at the start of it I had to dispel all the rumors that you and I had broken up and that's why I was there on my own you know those tabloid reports that we'd fallen out <laughs> and we still have a quite an established hierarchy within the podcast you do I'm still in the dog bed Icelandic air still ha- is it Icelandic air who are we blaming for the lack of bags mm, I think it's whatever bag handling company it's Dublin airport yeah Dublin airport let's just blame them so we still sure, have let's no just luggage. go right back to the beginning and blame COVID <laughs> no it's Dublin airport it's Dublin airport we're blaming Dublin airport we still have no luggage so we've no microphone cable so Sarah is still sitting on the ground with uh, what is it a two foot microphone cable two foot yeah about that it's not very comfortable so like let's get this rolling <laughs> let's keep this rolling so uh, let's have a little bit of a week in review uh, as, I, as mm-hmm. I like to call the early part I've never called it that out loud but that's what I call it in my head <laughs> the week in review the Commonwealth Games time trial was on yesterday and Garan Thomas was on a stormer of a ride as he so often is and as so often happens to GT he managed to have a little date with the tarmac this is the TT this is the TT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very astute observation. You that didn't point that out, though. We didn't. <laughs> We're not all mind readers. <laughs> we don't have the notes in front of us like <laughs> you two. Yeah, Rowan um, Dennis managed to roll the win in the time trial, but Garan Thomas was definitely on course to win. He was, I think he lost by 23 seconds in the end, and that includes him kind of throwing a little bit of a petulant stroppy and getting back onto his bike quite slowly, which I'd say cost him an additional 10 seconds. But he stayed on the podium. Uh, but that's big... unreal isn't it for him to come off his bike he lost 30 seconds and he still stayed on the podium and they were saying as well that his bike wasn't working properly when he got back on it as well so for him to make up that time well I don't know if he made up any time he lost well you know he lost time but he it could have gone a lot yeah, worse yeah. Right? He, he probably had a I don't know it looked like on the splits he was going into gold comfortably and mm-hmm. then you know yeah cost him probably as you say yeah. probably more than 30 seconds he was cool in the Tour de France because you could really spot him couldn't you he had those real goofy white glasses on not very stylish but you could really tell when he was there lurking a couple of bikes back from the beginning because it, it's very hard to tell the difference between riders nowadays they all look like carbon copies of each other so well, see, cool Sarah, you're him. a blow into cycling sport Grant Thomas has been wearing those glasses since like since he got started, so 2011, 2012, he's wore the exact same. They were fashionable back in the day. I think they're Oakley Jawbones. Oh, I, I hate Jawbones. I or, actually have or, a pair of Jawbones or John Breakers or whatever. I think they're all so naff. But, but it is cool that you can spot you can spot G a mile away. He's an OG. He's an OG with those glasses. <laughs> but what I wanted to talk about on the Commonwealth Games TT is our very own Darren Rafferty uh, sprinkled in among the World Tour riders above him and below him 
rolled an eighth place in the Amazing. Commonwealth Games TT to Hagen's Axens Berman Reuter, who's won Strata Bianchi this year. And he is on course to be one of the superstars of our sport. Eighth place for him, which is legendary stuff. That's crazy. One to watch going forward. Who do you think he'll go to, or is there any? Talk of him going to teams or I don't think he's gonna jump. I think he, I don't know what his contract is, but he's only first year with Hagen Accents Burn. Okay. So he'll, be he'll there. bide his time a little bit. Happy days. And this week on the podcast. Yeah, we Colin O'Brady on the podcast, which I hope is really cool. This week it's if you're listening looking to listen back to something on your Saturday or Sunday rides, I would highly recommend that episode. It's something I've talked about on the podcast a lot is this idea of doing hard things to create space to enjoy other stuff. And the example I give is if you go out on a ride in the rain for four or five hours, the Netflix movie and the bowl of soup you have when you come in on the couch, it's going to have like an amplified, elevated enjoyment and taste as opposed to if you just sat around all day you know, watching TV and then you decided to flick on a Netflix movie and have soup. They're two different experiences, two different ways to experience the same thing. Colin O'Brady talks about this in quite dramatic fashion. He talks about contrasting really hard moments in his life, like he was the first man ever to row the the crossing of Drake Passage, which is an unbelievable story as he gets battered with storms and he can't row. So he has to lock himself into this like crawl space in the hull of the boat and weather it out for days with really limited rations. Not sure if he's even going to make it. But then when the storm eventually passes and he sails into harbour and the sun rises that morning, he said it's like the most beautiful, poetic experience of his life. Oh, it sounds beautiful. Drake Passage wouldn't be for you, Auntie. You just have to look at a boat and you feel sick. I don't like boats. <laughs> don't like boats. What Billy Connolly said, they're like prison with the option of suicide. Oh, Jesus. I don't like them at all. Well, another podcast, if you want to listen to it, which I would highly recommend, was my yesterday podcast. Because <laughs> You're recommending your own podcast. <laughs> 10 out of 10, five stars. <laughs> I basically do a little bit of a recap about the Tour de France femme. Now, I don't know, you're probably sick of listening to me banging on about this, but I was getting goosebumps all over again doing a recap of it. And the biggest takeaways that I got from the eight days of racing. So uh, listen to that. You listened to it, Anne. Did you think it was good? Didn't listen. No. <laughs> but what I do know is we got a voice note in uh, one of our, it's something we haven't actually even ever mentioned on the podcast but there is an ability to send us voice notes and I don't know how somebody found this ability we will f- get the link and share it in the show notes for one of the upcoming episodes and I'll talk more about how you can do it but someone sent us a voice note and said they were cringing because we were pronouncing the Tour de Femme avec Swift and not Tour de France Femme avec Swift I do beg to argue the official website is calling it La Tour Femme avec Swift. So I don't know. And even the Tour de France, we don't call the Tour de France the Tour de France. We call it La Tour. So I will disagree with our, uh, with I our don't, voice note. No, I don't disagree with her. I looked into it a, a good bit myself after we got our voice note. We will play it um, one of these days. We might even get it inserted in. But yeah, no, she did make an excellent point. We do need to give it its full accolade. Um, may, as I was saying um, last week, maybe we'll start calling the Tour de France um, next year just to <laughs> have a kind of equal. For... But it's not the Tour de France. It's just Le Tour. Right, okay. Okay. So that's oh, where okay. I was like a bit confused. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Look, there is. Look, the, well, it's my podcast. <laughs> you start your own podcast. That's to the to the listener. If you no, she was brilliant though. It was a point really well taken, and um, I thought she did have a point after doing a little bit of investigation on it myself. Maybe so. she's right, but I'm going <laughs> to give my opinion louder. Okay. Okay. 
right, do you want to dive in with some newbie questions? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so again, so many questions coming in. Keep them rolling. Sarah at roadmancycling.com. So number one, Anthony, why, I want to know this as well. Why do some bikes make a loud buzzing sound when you freewheel? I joined my first group ride a few months ago and I've been surprised at the decibel level that some of the bikes reach. Is it like tricking your car muffler out? The louder, the better. Does this mean the wheels are faster and doesn't mark me out as a Fred if I don't have this function? It's so true. We have a couple of guys on our Saturday spin and it's their bikes sound like machine guns when they're coming up beside you and they're freewheeling. So what is the, what's the crack with that? Yeah, I, I think it's just brand specific. It's the freewheel. I think it just happens that some of the more expensive wheels have louder freewheels, but there's also plenty of expensive brands that don't have a loud freewheel. I don't think there's much in it. I think some people think it sounds cool. But does it have a function? Like nah, do- it's just a free, it's the freewheel hub design that has something clicking built into it. It doesn't really do anything as far as I know. It definitely has a function for me because when we are out cycling together and I'm on your wheel as per usual, I know when you're slowing down or freewheeling or you're taking your foot off the gas because I can it's like an audible you know trigger for me that I can hear um so it is kind of convenient like well, I think that. most of the wheels do have some sort of audible freewheel mine's like very sound. low yours I know what the one particular guy I can think of on our uh, spin Aiden shout out to Aiden his are like in his are insane <laughs> it's through the roof and you know and this is the thing like there's almost no correlation between it because I'd say you know looking at the group ride you have probably the most expensive hubs on mm. your like you have a top of Sarah doesn't know what she's riding but Sarah's riding my old training wheels but there's a they're a really nice hand built set of wheels with a hopes top of the line hub and an open pro hand built rim into them so they're a hand built set of wheels with a very expensive hub if you were to get a off the shelf set of wheels the chances are unless they're a very very high end set of wheels they don't have as much technology in their hub as the one you have but okay. yeah your hub is very quiet so it's, it's horses for courses it's it doesn't really matter horses. okay cool that's why i'm so speedy on the bike it's exactly <laughs> So we'll move on to question number two, will we? So this is something I never even thought about, Anthony. And I guess you just don't know what you don't know. Like I wasn't even on my radar. But a listener writes in to ask, how do I choose handlebar width? I think the old uh, sort of adage for how you choose handlebar width is off shoulder width. So I would start at 42 size handlebars. And then unless you had a reason to deviate, wouldn't deviate the trends be to go narrower and narrower in recent years if you have particularly narrow shoulders or you rate yourself as a particularly good bike handler you know Mm. it might make sense to go to 40 or 38 but i think any less than that narrow handlebars have the benefit obviously they're a little bit more aerodynamic than wider handlebars and you can get through some smaller gaps but you're giving away a little bit of bike handling for narrower handlebars Standard used to be just 42 and nobody ever really deviated, but there is a little bit of a trend in recent years to go narrower and then tilt your hoods in more to make it more aero, but I think it's just a fashionable thing based off Remco. It's, oh, okay, so he has his, he has quite narrow handlebars and it, it, it looks cool, does it? I don't know, I don't know if it looks cool, but yeah, it, again, it's hard, it's preference. i not a massive fan of the super narrow handlebars, I think they look a bit dumb. But, oh, okay, uh, okay. Some like Pogaccia and stuff isn't really embracing that trend, but Remco's kind of setting that trend, but now you have Vindigo, Pogaccia 
Roglic who are all pretty much on 40s or 42 so it's I don't know depends what you think is cool but I'm, I'm sticking to 40s you sticking with the 40s so the, the sprinters they would have a wider handlebar width would they just no, kind of not necessarily because they, okay. they want to get through gaps as well so it's uh, preference it's preference okay. and the size of the rider and the size of their shoulder width and okay. smaller riders going to want to have smaller bars a bigger rider you know it's, it's quite cumbersome if you have wide shoulders and you're a big dude a big sprinter to have very narrow bars Okay, and so this is something that would be covered in a bike fit though as well, would it? Yeah. Okay, amazing. Okay, so go get as we, not to kind of go back to that um, answer that we always say is but bike fits are worth their weight. Actually on that one, because I had a bunch of Instagram questions asking me about would I recommend a bike fitter in Ireland? And Aidan Hammond is a brilliant bike fitter in Ireland. And if you Google him, you'll find his name or you'll find his contact details. And if you're based in Ireland, he's definitely worth a trip. John Phelan down on Cork is another guy, bike fit physio, who's very good. Yeah, if you're down the south of Ireland, uh, he's excellent. Uh, we're going to talk about cycling fashion innovations. At times, I it hurts to laugh that much at somebody. <laughs> so I just want to rattle through my podium of cycling innovations. He told me a story about somebody who wears their jersey back to front because it's easier to access the pockets when the pockets are on the front. Yeah, which I was absolutely creased over laughing. But there's a bit of logic behind it. Come on, like if you're a bit nervous to <laughs> reach back for food in your pockets. So the second on my podium in innovation was somebody on a group ride that was nervous nervous clipping in so they decided to go out with one cycling shoe and one runner <laughs> oh yeah but again there's logic there okay because <laughs> it's nerve-wracking trying to learn how to clip in and out so you've one foot completely free in a trainer and one foot clipped in so. and the last one that i wanted was somebody who decided instead of bringing bottles of water or bottles of sports drink on a spin they would put a takeaway coffee from mcdonald's into their bottle holder and try and drink the hot beverage while they were cycling along. <laughs> yeah, this is something I saw on uh, a ride a couple of weeks ago. And again, a little bit of logic, a little bit of innovation. It didn't work. He ended up just saying, oh, this isn't working and just backing it away. So you had cycling fashion innovations on the notes here. And I thought you were going to talk about wicking fabric, about new chamois. I didn't think you were just going <laughs> to take the piss of people. Okay, Anthony, number three. Anthony, I'm planning a cycling holiday for September. What is the best place, in Anthony's opinion, in the world to ride your bike? I'm fairly experienced and I want to challenge myself every day with climbing and a bit of sun would be nice too. Yeah, it's a difficult one. It depends a little bit on your maybe family circumstances, who you're going with. Mallorca arguably has the nicest riding I've experienced, but it's only slightly nicer than you've ridden the both these places as well Sarah it's only slightly nicer I think than the riding around Girona but Girona is such a cool town it has everything there so if you're going away with a family or if it's you know a group that aren't children like if you're going just for pure out for riding Tenerife Mallorca Gran Canaria these places are beautiful but when you finish in the day there's not a lot of infrastructure around but when you're in Girona you've arguably just as nice a ride in the same type of length climbs but when you finish in the day, you have beautiful cafes, bars, restaurants, shopping, close to Barcelona if you want to go in and see a football game. Girona has its own uh, Premier League team in Spain as well, which is cool. And there's there's a whole vibe and a culture in Girona that those other places don't really have. So I think that's really cool. But again, I've had a chance to ride all over the place. And Andorra is nice, but it's mainly uphill. Colombia, again, it's really cool, but it's a lot of climbing. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the tried and tested places are 
popular for a reason. Majorca has, the one thing I will say about Girona is that some of the, now I know Strava and Camus and everything are kind of opening up the routes to a lot of people now, but it can be a little bit complicated to get onto routes or find Rocacoba or, you know, find all these George Hincapi routes and get to them and get out of the city to find them. Majorca, it's the the trails are like really well beaten, aren't they? I mean, you can't, there's no way you can not find all these amazing. Yeah, I think that's actually and, a good point because to follow up on that, it's like if you're in your own, I think you need a higher baseline level of fitness. If you're going out for a one hour ride, you're not maybe straight away onto the nice terrain where you have to navigate through the town and the city a little bit to get onto the ride. Whereas in Majorca, if you stay in somewhere, you know decent and nearly if you stay anywhere apart from Palma you're nearly on to the good riding roads like instantly yeah absolutely yeah look I don't think you can go wrong with Girona or Mallorca I just think they are absolute heaven it was my first time in Mallorca a year ago and I'd love to go back um, it was kind of my preference maybe because I've been to Girona so many times but Mallorca or Girona would have my votes as well okay Anthony question number four Anthony, what did you make of Classic San Sebastian last week? Is Remco favourite for the world champs? Remco, you have a love-hate relationship with this dude, don't you? Uh, yeah, no, I think everyone has that with Remco, but cycling does need characters, and Remco is undoubtedly a character. He's opinionated, he's a little bit stroppy. Adam Bloyd called him a petulant child for pushing a rider out of a lineup only a few months ago. He's flying. He looked like he was training in classic San Sebastian. For that reason, I actually turned it off and I flicked back to watch the final stage of, I'm careful on my pronunciation <laughs> here, Le Tour de France Femme avec Swift. Uh, there was just a little bit more suspense there as Van Vluten hit that uh, Le Super Planche de Belfi because Remco looked like he was out training. He just accelerated on the climb at about 40, 50 kilometers to go. Yates could go with him. He looked like he was just spinning easy accelerated again and he was on his own and then it was a time trial into the end but his power figures were insane for it seven watts a kilo for 10 minutes or something i heard unverified that is absolutely nuts so we hear a lot about pagacha essentially being this kind of superhuman and going to dominate cycling for the next couple of years and where does remco fit into that are they just completely different riders or are they are you know, is one better than the other? Is Ramco better than Pogaccia? Like where, yeah, where do no, we Yeah, no, one is better than the other. Pogaccia's already won the Tour de France twice and he's been second once and he's won nine stages of the Tour de France and he's only 22, so yeah. yeah but Ramco was out with injuries for a long, for with a very bad injury for a long time, wasn't he? Yeah, but people put this argument to say uh, Matthew van der Poel is as good as Wout van Aert. Like, theoretically on paper doesn't really count for much Pogaccia's mm. actually won the races Pogaccia's now Remco has a big Palmares already for such a young kid but he hasn't stepped up to that level mm-hmm. you know he's won classics already but so has Pogaccia so Pogaccia is you know he's a one of the greatest riders ever already and he's yeah. only starting his career Remco you know we shouldn't judge Remco by Pogaccia standards he needs to be judged by Remco standards and he's having a fantastic start to his career transitioning over from football and yeah he probably is one of the favourites for the world championships but they've got this you know dynamic in the Belgian team which they find it difficult to pull it together and I think I could be wrong but I don't think they've won a world since Valkenburg and Philip Schilber won uh, I'm trying to rack my brain I can't think of one they've won between now and then uh, but they 
struggled to get it together. And we've seen that last year for Worlds where it was Wout van Aert and Remco. And we're going to see the same dynamic playing out again this year because Wout van Aert is probably the best all-round bike rider in the world at the moment. He skipped the TT in the Worlds to focus on the road race. Is Remco going to go there in a support role or is he going to go there as a joint team leader? I don't think that's been announced yet. But okay. last year, it there was a lot of debate post-race in the Belgian media to say Remco wasn't a good teammate and cost Wout the win. Wow, okay. I love that kind of cheeky personality, the kind of, not the arrogance, but it's so amazing to see their personal, riders' personalities. For a few years, the Sky, the NES guys, they're all like robots coming out with this one-liners about how they love their team and thank you to everybody. It was just so P.O.R. robotic. And people, we, I know for, I know that you're not a huge fan of uh, Pickcock, isn't it? Um, but he did an interview after his stage, was it a stage win? in the tour and he was like really honest very emotional he was like I know he said for he was like fuck that was so piss hard or something and it was like a piece of personality that we don't get that often so I think we need to see more of that Sarah, you've got a little bit of tech for us to cover us uh, today to wrap up our yes, I do. Our Saturday so show. what I want to talk about is in-frame storage, which I think is really cool because I hate having loads of stuff in my pockets. Now, Specialized kind of started all of this and um, they have, you know, a, this down tube compartment where you can put your spares and your tools and your snacks and Trek have kind of followed suit um, and they call it their bits system. So you can just, you can put your bits in there. <laughs> your bits and pieces. <laughs> Giant um, is following as well. So this is something that we're going to see a lot more. Are you a fan of it? Do you think it's cool or do you think it's a bit naff? Yeah, no, it's not bad. I like I like uh, having my pockets empty. And yeah, I a nice clean using... silhouette on the frame is nice. Yeah, but like you are adding the weight onto yeah. the bike but like is there much of a difference between that and a saddlebag I'm no. not really sure no I, don't. I I like a nice you've got a lovely new Evox saddlebag that I think is really neat and very kind of cool looking but no I have to say I would definitely go for a bike maybe the next time with this little compartment I think it's a brilliant addition a brilliant idea Sarah thank you for joining or Anthony thank you for joining Sarah on the Saturday <laughs> slot <laughs> We're back to regular, regular scheduled broadcasting on Monday. Regular, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tongue twister. <laughs> regular scheduled broadcasting on Monday. I'll be back with a solo cast, and then we've interview episodes again on Tuesday and Thursday with a couple of cracking episodes. Last week we have Bora Hansgrove, fast man, lead out man, extraordinaire Ryan Mullen talking about hitting a new four minute PB power out train of five hundred ninety watts. Oh. Insane. Sarah can only do that for four seconds. <laughs> with my eyes closed concentrating real hard thanks Rob man have a great weekend and I'll see you again on Monday thank you for listening to today's podcast have you ever wondered how good you could actually be each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work family and social obligations but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling okay okay maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France but for most of us this isn't what cycling is about so let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams so whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist we have a suitable coach for you so why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals 
go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.